The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 166 Sanballat Targets Nehemiah Nehemiah was just the type of leader the Jews needed in order to organize their families into an effective fighting force, an efficient construction team. With God's help, all the surprise attacks of the Gentile nations were thwarted before they could reach the city wall. Now with the wall about halfway complete, Nehemiah instructed the people to bring their servants into the city to lodge within the walls until its completion. Jerusalem was quite crowded with makeshift tents set up to house all the country folk now residing in the city. One evening, walking among the maze of temporary dwellings, Nehemiah was approached by a number of his countrymen. Their modest attire gave him a clue that they were likely some of the poorest of the Jews. Nehemiah, our families have grown large, yet we are in no way able to support ourselves, said a man in the group. What do you mean? Nehemiah asked. You have your portion of land in which to grow food just like the rest of the Jews. We had land, said another. Well, what happened to it? Nehemiah inquired. The man continued. The famine was so bad that we weren't able to produce enough food. So we had to mortgage our land, fields and houses to have money for grain to eat. We went further into debt when we borrowed money against our mortgaged land so that we might pay the Persian king's heavy tax. Why didn't you go to some of your brethren for help? Nehemiah asked. Surely they could provide you with the necessary money. No, they couldn't, the man continued. The only thing that we could do was... The man paused momentarily to gather his composure was to sell some of our children as slaves. What? Nehemiah couldn't believe his ears. And to whom did you sell them? The Jewish nobles, came the response. It was the only way to ensure we would still be able to see them. Nehemiah was thunderstruck. You mean to tell me that some of your own children have been bought by some of the Jewish nobles even now encamped in this city? That's right. We would have tried to redeem them, but we have already lost our lands to others. We are stuck in a hopeless situation. Nehemiah was incensed by their story. Couldn't understand how this group of returning Jews had escaped the captivity of a Gentile people only to be brought back into servitude by their own people. Some of the richer Jews had approached the gathering, overhearing what was being said. Nehemiah noted the fine garments these newcomers wore and deduced that they were likely part of the problem. Are you some of those who are exacting interest from your own kinsmen? 
asked Nehemiah in anger. When they didn't respond, he interpreted their sheepishness as a likely indication of their guilt. Don't you think you should rather help your poor brethren rather than compound their situation with servitude for their children? Are we not all family? Knowing they had done wrong, the nobles' faces heated in shame. They didn't have anything to say. Nehemiah turned to the poorer members of the group. Don't worry. Go back to your tents. He spoke compassionately. We'll fix this in the morning. The next day, Nehemiah sent his guard to keep a lookout on the wall while he addressed the situation at hand. He had commanded all the nobles to assemble before his tent. Word had already spread throughout the camp about the purpose for this meeting. They're ready, said Nehemiah's assistant as he entered the tent. How do they look? Nehemiah asked his servant. Dejected, came the reply. Good, Nehemiah said as he rose to his feet and walked to the entrance. That is a positive sign that they're ready to change their ways. Exiting the tent, Nehemiah saw the large group of nobles and priests, many with somber countenances. Nehemiah addressed the crowd with godly authority. According to our limited abilities, we have brought back our Jewish brethren who were taken into slavery. The heathens allowed them to return to Jerusalem, yet I discover that you have returned our brethren to slavery and have sold them among yourselves. Should we purchase our own brethren as slaves? He began. Not a word was said in response, so Nehemiah continued. What you are doing is not good. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to prevent the taunts and reproach of the nations, our enemies? To even charge interest of a fellow Jew is absolutely forbidden, no matter how small it may be. I command you to return to them this very day their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and houses, and also every penny of interest on the money, grain, new wine, and oil that you have exacted from them. And then let that be the end of it. After a brief hesitation, one of the leaders at the front stepped forward and spoke. We will do as you say. We will restore all that you have said and require nothing from them. Nehemiah was relieved by their response. He knew that God would only bless the nation as the people obeyed his laws. To make it official, Nehemiah called the priest forward and made a binding pronouncement in the presence of all the nobles. Shaking his outer garment, Nehemiah proclaimed, So may God shake out every man from his house and from the fruits of his labor who does not keep this promise. So may he be shaken out and emptied. Amen! Responded the entire assembly, accepting the terms of Nehemiah's pronouncement. Nehemiah dismissed the nobles and priests. Soon thereafter, the sounds of laughter, joy, and happiness could be heard throughout the city as the poor folk learned they had been redeemed and their families would be reunited. People praised God for giving them a powerful, godly leader in Nehemiah who sought after the welfare not only for Jerusalem, but also the people.
Sanballat, governor of Samaria, realized that his attempts to stop the construction of the wall had been futile. By this point, the whole wall around the city was nearly complete. Only the massive doors needed to be built and set up at the many entrances to the city. Knowledge of the wall's imminent completion led the Jews' enemies to their most sinister plan yet. If they couldn't slow down the process by attacking the Jews, then they would take out Nehemiah. They recognized that it was Nehemiah's encouragement and decisive leadership that was driving this project forward. Without him, they believed the work would fail. The next day, as Nehemiah oversaw work on one of Jerusalem's gates, word reached him that a lone rider was approaching from the north. Nehemiah and his escort quickly went to the north and city wall. By the time they arrived, the rider was at the base of the wall demanding to talk to the governor. I am here, shouted Nehemiah as he reached the top of the wall. What do you want? I am a messenger for Sanballat, governor of the Samaritans, and I have a letter for you from him and the governor of Arabia. May I give it to you? The man replied. Nehemiah scanned the horizon to see if any other enemies were approaching. Seeing no one else, Nehemiah sent one of his assistants down to retrieve the letter. Now be off with you. Nehemiah commanded the messenger. I would, the messenger responded, but my master has told me to wait and carry your response back to him. So be it, you wait there, but my messenger will take my response back with you to make sure it's not tainted on the way. Nehemiah descended the city wall and opened the sealed letter. He was frustrated by the distraction, knowing he was needed on the construction of the wall. The letter read, Sanballat. Governor of Samaria and Gershom, Governor of Arabia. Greetings, Nehemiah, Governor of Judah. Peace be unto you. It has been nearly two months since you have arrived in Jerusalem, and we are yet to meet in person. In the meantime, it seems that there has been some misunderstandings that certainly can be worked out peaceably. Please accept our invitation and come to meet us at the village in the plain of Ono immediately. Sanballat and Gershom. Nehemiah, still standing just on the inside of the city wall, looked up from the letter, thinking about what to do next. Requesting a meeting in the plain of Ono, neutral territory on the Mediterranean coast, indicated they sought peace. But he wasn't fooled by their words. Shall we go to your tent to write a formal reply? Asked his assistant. No, responded Nehemiah. I don't want to take up any more time than we have to with this ruse. Flipping the scroll over, Nehemiah said, There's room on the back. He handed the letter to his assistant and began dictating a response. Nehemiah, governor of Judah, greetings Sanballat and Geshem. I received your letter. I cannot come down to meet you because we're doing a great work here in Jerusalem. Why should this work stop while I leave and come down to you? Nehemiah. Writing frantically, the assistant asked, Is that it? That's it, Nehemiah responded. We've already wasted enough time on this. Put my seal upon it and dispatch one of my messengers to carry the letter to Sanballat. Quickly, a rider was summoned to deliver the message. Departing out of the gate, he met with Sanballat's rider, and they set off northward to Samaria.
If I may ask, inquired Nehemiah's scribe as he and Nehemiah returned to the gate they had been working on earlier. Why were you so dismissive of Sambalat's invitation to discuss peace between our peoples? They don't want peace, Nehemiah responded, walking briskly. They wanted to give the appearance of peace by holding the discussions in the plain of Ono. If they truly wanted peace, then they would stop trying to attack us. No, if I had gone down to attend their meeting, there's a good chance I would not have made it back alive. The assistant nodded at Nehemiah's wise answer. Plus, Nehemiah added as he turned to his assistant, We really do have a great work to do, and we can't let anything distract us from it. The next day, Nehemiah's work was again disrupted by news of another messenger approaching from the north. Again, Nehemiah went to meet the rider and read the incoming letter. Again, the letter was from Sanballat and Gershom, asking to meet with Nehemiah. And again, Nehemiah's response was the same. For four consecutive days, the enemies of Judah sent a messenger requesting Nehemiah's presence for the meeting. On the fifth day, Nehemiah was again interrupted from his work by another messenger from the north. He went to meet the messenger, expecting to see a sealed letter in his hand like the previous times. This time, however, the letter was not sealed. It was open for anyone to read. Sanballat hoped the contents of this letter would reach the Jews, not just Nehemiah. This letter, addressed solely from Sanballat, read, To Nehemiah, governor of Judah, it is reported among the nations, and Gershom, governor of Arabia, also confirms it that you and the Jews intend to rebel against the Persian government, and it is for this cause that you are building the wall. That's a lie, whispered Nehemiah, shaking his head as he read. According to these reports, you wish to become their king. Another lie, spoke Nehemiah. And you have also set a prophet to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Lies, all lies. Nehemiah said, noticeably frustrated, It is my duty as a loyal subject of the Persian Empire to make sure that King Artaxerxes hears these reports. So now, Nehemiah, come and let us take counsel together. Shaking his head, Nehemiah looked at his scribe and said, This letter is far more devious and conniving than the first four. Sanballat's attempting to blackmail me into coming to his meeting by saying he's going to report to the Persians that I'm trying to rebel against King Artaxerxes. By making it an open letter, he wants our brethren, the Jews, to fear the response from the Persian government. Sanballat thinks that we'll stop working on the wall if we fear the Persians will come against us. If it wasn't so wicked and full of lies, I'd say this was a good change of tactics by the deceitful Samaritan. What do you want me to write back? The scribe asked. Simply this. Nehemiah responded, then proceeded to dictate. Sanballat, there is no truth to anything you have written. I have done nothing of the sort. You have simply created these reports out of the imagination of your own mind. Nehemiah, governor of Judah. Although Nehemiah was still full of faith that God would protect them from all of Sanballat's plots, the constant harassment and now blackmail weighed heavy on Nehemiah's mind. It wasn't easy to motivate the Jews to keep building while being surrounded and attacked by powerful enemies. And so, after responding to the latest letter, 
Nehemiah dismissed his scribe and withdrew to his tent. There, Nehemiah knelt down and prayed to God, asking that he would strengthen his hands for the work that still lay before him. He would need it. Sanballat's plots were far from over. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church. Thank you.